to the Third Turn Podcast and our ongoing conversation on long-term leadership, succession, and legacy. I'm Jeanette Robert, Executive Director of Expansion with the Employee Care Service Marketplace Chaplains. My co-host is Mark L. Vincent. He's the founder of Design Group International and the Society for Process Consulting. He also established Maestro Level Leaders, out of which this podcast was launched. Mark, let me turn it over to you for a moment to introduce Beth Ridley. I am very happy to, Jeanette. Uh, The first thing you'll notice if you're on Beth Ridley's LinkedIn profile are the labels that she has. There are a number of them. She's earned them all. Leadership expert, workplace culture transformer, diversity and inclusion, uh, and she's also a strategist, resilience builder, employee engagement consultant, and a change management advisor. I've had an opportunity to hear her speak. She's crack at that. She's really great at speaking and training very engaging. She's come by all of these descriptors, honestly, and through a long and international career. And most recently, she launched The Brimful Life. It's a consultancy that brings positive psychology to the matters of employee engagement. And it also gives her more time uh, to spend speed skating, I understand. So, Beth, we want to welcome you to this conversation. We are really delighted. that you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You know, Beth, uh, from Mark's description and in comparison to what we have been describing in earlier episodes of this podcast, you are a third turn leader and you're helping second turn leaders with their first turn. So you're you're in the midst of everything that encompasses this podcast that we talk talk about. You can speak to each of those areas. And and really to that end, could you walk us through the larger strokes of your career, kind of like what led you to launch the Brimful Life and what you hope to accomplish? accomplish in your own third turn? Yeah, thanks. So I appreciate the question. It's kind of fun to sort of reflect on my whole career because truthfully, the brimful life really is um, sort of builds upon like all of my experiences um, prior to this. And as you read in the intro, I've had a lot of very different um, career experiences, but I would say the one sort of like through line um, that's common among all of them is, you know, I've, I've been in situations where I've had to really quickly build new teams, bring people together who are very different for a common purpose. Um, so early in my career, I worked mostly overseas. So I've worked in five different countries. And I was in situations where I had to bring people together across, whether that be cultural differences, language differences, um, again, for a common uh, purpose in terms of achieving whatever outcomes. Then in the middle of my career, I spent a lot of time as a management consultant, where I had to drop into organizations to help them solve their business problems. But again, really quickly try to get clarity around how to move forward and adapt to the different cultures that you find within companies and organizations. And then in my last job, I was there for 12 years working uh, for a financial services institution, but I changed roles like every two years. And usually I starting like a new team or a new business unit. So again, how to get people together quickly, bridge across the differences. So you're sort of tapping into those differences as a um, as an advantage, but then also motivate people. Yeah. So that led me to, you know, 
um, developing expertise in diversity inclusion and positive psychology, how to make um, diverse teams thrive. And I realized that I was actually really good at it. <laughs> That's great. What I started to see in my last company is that, you know, corporate cultures were becoming really dysfunctional, um, especially, you know, starting to see it in the high rate of burnout. So chronic related stress. I like to say burnout was the pandemic before the current pandemic. Wow. Um, Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had a unique approach for cultivating more positive workplace cultures, being able to bridge across differences to make diversity a differentiator for business success, and just like helping people be the best of, you know, bring their best selves to work. And then that's really what the brimful life is, helping leaders to be able to do that and achieve better business results by focusing on people and focusing on building positive workplace cultures. Wow, we're really excited to dive into a little bit more of this conversation with you. And and I had checked out your website previously and on your website, you have these really cool card decks that people can get. And like, for instance, one of your card decks, and it's just this card deck with a bunch of little cards and it says, transform your mindset through gratitude and reflection. Yeah. And it's a card deck. And you you have some really neat resources that kind of, it seems as though I would imagine it'd be cool to hear how all that connects with, with even your clients and the companies that you go into. But um, can you kind of give to us insight into what, what it means, what you mean by the brimful life? And then how you recognize it is landing in people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the brim for life really is meant to talk about um, having a life that's filled to the brim with joy and meaning. That's really what it's mm. all about. And so when I first started my company, I, I thought, you know, I want to focus on both the personal and the professional sides of someone. And then my husband quickly told me I had no business, um, you know, weighing in on like relationship <laughs> matters and like on the personal <laughs> Like I quickly abandoned that. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna stay in my lane. Like I've worked in corporate my entire career. Let me let me stick with you know where I have some credibility. So yeah. it's really you know how to feel like your professional life is filled to the brim <laughs> with joy and meaning. And I think you see that well. You know you know when someone has achieved that by the way that they conduct and carry themselves. I think you know. Um, you know, when someone is able to energize and motivate other people and bring out the best in other people, it's because they're doing that themselves or in a place where they feel truly passionate, energized by the work that they're doing. Um, and that is contagious in a good way uh, mm-hmm. and infectious. Um, so I think you you know when you're close to being there, when, you know, you sort of see how people carry themselves and how they interact with other people. Yeah, that's good. I'd like to weigh in with a question here, Beth. Uh, a big part of your legacy you've described, that is that in a variety of places, as well as internationally, you've helped to make company culture better. And you've done it in really large corporations and you did it with really diverse groups. And now you have some capacity to give that some time to that in some smaller enterprises as well. And wherever you've done this, one of the phrases I've heard you use and you've written about it is that uh, we need to make a difference in micro moments. 
just as much as in the big ones. I, I'd love it if you could talk about this and how that actually helps to develop the leadership quotient of people who are coming along behind us that have to develop their own leadership capacity. Yeah, so I started focusing on micro moments, just those tiny little touch points that make up the day-to-day experience, which makes up the overall employee experience and culture in an organization. Because back in my management consulting days, when I would, you know, um, work with very large corporations on solving their biggest business problems, you know, I found that we would come up with these really grandiose strategies. They looked amazing in PowerPoint, but they ended up staying in PowerPoint because leaders just couldn't Um, they just didn't have the capacity to focus on these things in a sustainable way, right? People just Mm -hmm, get distracted. mm -hmm. So I didn't want that situation with my own consulting firm. Like I didn't want to like give all this great advice that never gets implemented. So I started to just simplify and demystify everything that I do and say, you know what? The way that you're going to shift culture is by doing small things just consistently, and so when I talk about micro moments, I really have leaders think about what are all those small little touch points that you do anyway in your day to day leadership. And if we could approach them just a little bit differently to maybe bring in some of these concepts around diversity, inclusion or positive psychology. And if it feels natural and if you feel that you can do it consistently, you will end up shifting the culture because as the leader, you're setting the tone for the rest of the organization. So in very practical terms, these micro moments that we focus on, in most cases, they're meetings. I mean, if you think about it, the workday is just filled with meetings, team meetings, um, project meetings, one-on-one meetings. And so um, I get leaders to sort of reflect on how do you show up in the meeting? What are some small shifts that you can make to, um, you know, uh, uh, bring to life some some more positive cultural values? A very tangible example would be one of the things that needs to be in a workplace culture um, for people to, you know, um, be their best is a sense of purpose and meaning with their work. Right. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants to feel like their work has higher purpose and meaning and you're not just sort of like slogging through the day. Well, how many times do you show up at a meeting and you just dive right into the agenda and the content? You assume everybody knows why we're here, especially if it's a recurring meeting. Um, But you never take the time in the beginning of the meeting, 30 seconds, to remind people why this meeting matters to the organization's vision, to the mission, to the purpose of why we're even in business. And if you just take that 30 seconds to remind people this simple meeting really does have higher meaning, I think you end up having a very different meeting after that because people feel connected with the higher sense of purpose. um, and, And that in itself is motivating. So imagine if, you know, every meeting that you went to started out with that tone. Um, you know, again, it starts to shift the culture of the organization and people start to care more about the bigger picture as opposed to just their little slice of it. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's, that's such a, a, a part of what we would say is a turn two person moving into a third turn. They are seeing, even though they're responsible for the organization and its current moments and its current value, they're beginning to see how they have to pay attention to that mission and vision, and they must articulate it repeatedly in order to keep uh, the focus of the organization and help people to see what they are a part of. And so to be able to start every one of these meetings to say, now here's why we meet, 
and here's where we were and here's what we have to accomplish today in light of where we're yeah. going to go matters so much and it sets the stage and it gets everybody into the same room at the same time to do the same work. And if you don't do that, people are coming in with whatever it was that they were carrying with them. They're setting their invisible suitcases down that people can trip over and they're going to get mad at small things. And, and they're, they'll have personal agenda and very subjective interpretations. Yeah. And it just means all kinds of cleanup yeah. afterwards. And, and I, um, I just wanted to say, I mean, this is why I really love ahead. the turns that you guys have laid out because I do think it helps leaders think more intentionally about the impact that they have in the organization simply by how they show up, right? I think a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, in turn one, we're really focused on doing a good job and and then we're never sort of like aware or have that intentionality of like um, how we radiate outwards and implications mm -hmm. of that. So I, I love how you talk about the turns because I think it just brings awareness and, and intentionality to that. Yeah, that's great that you say that, Beth, because all along as I talk with executives about this and we just kind of lay it out, not just as a person, but as an organization or the intersection between the two, they quickly map on and can talk about the journey up till now and where they need to go. And it, it just becomes a great uh, place of coming together to be able to see it and, and to uh, make some differences mm -hmm. happen. Um, and as people move through those three turns, they learn new things or they have the opportunity to. And you've spoken about that uh, eloquently and consistently, that there's this opportunity to learn new things, that if you're going to fail, you fail forward and you practice gratitude along the way. And I was wondering if you'd be uh, open to share just some some practical experiences that you had, perhaps a story or two where failing forward and practicing gratitude made a difference. Yeah. Well, this is one I've really had to work on myself, um, sort of fail forward mindset, uh, because I tend to suffer from perfectionist tendencies. And, you know, I want everything to be awesome out of the gates. And now that I'm a solopreneur and, uh, you know, um, <laughs> it's a difference. Yes. I mean, it's like every day is fraught with failure. <laughs> so that's, the nice thing is you can fire yourself. <laughs> you can fire yourself. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So, you know, thinking about one story, it's like, oh, my goodness, uh, my treasure trove of stories. But, you know, I think um, just one very practical example, you know, at the start of the pandemic, well, you know, before, before COVID, most of my work was done in person, whether it be public speaking or, mm -hmm. you know, working with leadership teams. And so, at the, you know, at the start of the pandemic, I really had to pivot. So I thought, well, let me try making an online course all around resilience and um, and a positive mindset. And so um, I spent a lot of time and money making the course. And then at the end of the day, I only sold four. Um, two don't count because one was my mom and one was my husband. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Out of all that, I was like, oh my goodness, epic fail, epic, epic fail in terms of, you know, I didn't get the expected outcome. Um, but then, you know, several months later, I realized that these new skills in terms of how to get my message across in front of the camera ended up being like that in itself, I developed that skill set because of doing the course. And of course, now it's serving me really well because I would say 90% of what I do is virtual. And 
one of the reasons why people like to hire me is they say, you're really good in front of the camera. Like you still can connect with people in front of the camera. Well, that was because of the time I invested in figuring out how to do that course. And then the other thing is the guy who helped him with the course, um, we have now an opportunity to collaborate on another project. So, you know, sometimes things feel like a, a failure in the moment if you just sort of look at, I didn't get the outcome that I had wanted at that time, but you're also sort of planting seeds of, you know, um, maybe new relationships that will sprout later on that you can't anticipate, learning new skills that you never thought that you would be helpful. So I think in time, it's easier to look back and realize that even seeming mistakes um, are really learning opportunities. The challenge is to be patient enough and to give yourself enough grace to realize that, you know, not everything is an immediate one for one. I do this, I'm gonna get this. Sometimes you do this, but you're gonna reap the benefits of it in ways you can't anticipate um, much later. So I always try to keep that in mind. I think, you know, trying to, for myself, be committed to a practice of gratitude and always have an attitude of gratitude um, is part of that journey. And, you know, um, I talk about these things all the time. I, I appreciate that they're not easy uh, to do. Um, and it's a, another really funny story. So, so my course that I did was about resilience and burnout, right? How to overcome burnout. Well, doing this online course was way more intensive than I ever anticipated at the start of the whole shutdown. So the kids were home from school and just getting adjusted to that. As it turns out, I started suffering from burnout as I was making a course on burnout. Right. <laughs> so that was sort of another like, <laughs> Oh, all these things I talk about in my course, hmm, I should be applying them to myself. So, <laughs> well, you know, um, Beth, when you're sharing, I kept hearing because I've heard this phrase and I, I, don't, I will say I do not know where it actually originated from, but attitude determines your latitude. And Ooh. a lot of times with our latitude and our attitude, we have to have gratitude to get to the latitude and to be, you yeah. know, to sit how it all connects together She's gonna borrow that <laughs> but what i love what i what, what i know just hearing you share you're being so transparent and there's so many people that are listening that okay let's look at the time frame we all know that the beginning of all this kind of happening we're, we're right now in in towards the end of 2020 and here you you know within a matter of six to eight months all of a sudden there's a been a flourishing and something that you weren't really expecting because you took the the step to take a small beginning in something thinking that it would be bigger but then it actually Actually is bigger but not the way you thought it would go <laughs> and yeah. so that's so encouraging and that it happened so quick yeah yeah yeah. Right. yeah 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 i think you, sometimes we just have to get out of our own way and again sort of relax our expectation of mm. what success is and you know there's so many twists and turns in life and i think that um, with a little bit more openness to what success looks like and our expectation of how it comes to us um, would help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I could just jump in here, Jeanette, because I know there's some questions yet that you were going mm -hmm. to ask. I, I think there's an important uh, underlining we can do here out of what you've just told us, Beth, because in this turn one, turn two, turn three nomenclature in the turn one, a person is becoming aware that, hey, I've got to give myself grace, all the things that you mm -hmm. were describing, Beth. And as they're, they're moving into turn two and they're actually running an organization and they're responsible for it, their ability to give that same kind of grace and space to other people 
uh, mm. really starts to matter or they can't develop them. They'll just keep churning through talent. They won't be able to help build other people uh, up. And I, I just think that was a great uh, connection for us to make, as you've described. Yeah, that's a really stuff. good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's really good. So Beth, we're going to kind of switch the conversation a little bit here and kind of do a light touch or we can go a little deeper on a subject um, that is uh, not just for us, but it's for those who are listening. You know, it, it is difficult for any one of us to move deeply into turn one, let alone turn two or turn three. Um, in, in this area. And, and it's no secret that you're, you are a woman. So as a woman, um, you're, you're a woman of color. And you also, um, perhaps there's just a number of factors that tend to pigeonhole a person that you've probably either personally witnessed or you've observed or you've been a part of, and that which adds to obstacles. And so what would you say to that turn one leader who is facing some of those obstacles, maybe even a turn two leader who is managing those obstacles, um, and perhaps in this cultural moment that we are currently living in, um, and there's a struggle to have hope, many of our leader, leaders that are that are in this, living this, this journey, what would you say dealing with some of... Um, some of the things that we're dealing with today in our society? Yeah, I really appreciate the question. So thank you for that. Um, so mm -hmm. my answer actually um, would be very different prior to, let's just say, um, March or mm -hmm. whenever like social inequalities has become more of the forefront of conversations like never before. So mm -hmm. with the basic question of, you know, if you are, um, you know, a, a woman or a person of color, or there's some dimension of your diversity where you're um, maybe feel marginalized or you're the only one sometimes swimming upstream, you know, I, it, it is hard. And there are certainly a lot of forces that are outside of your control. And we just have to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also want people to feel empowered that you have a lot that's within your control, especially your mindset. Like I like mm -hmm. to say, your mindset is 100% in your control. That's the good thing. The hard thing is sometimes that's the hardest thing to control. Um, so I think that, you know, the most important thing to forge through with whatever challenges or obstacles maybe um, you might be um, facing is to invest in your own self-care again so you don't burn out so that you can continue to be the best version of yourself because, again, that's infectious and contagious, um, especially as a leader to motivate people around you. So I would say just to um, invest in whatever is meaningful for you in order to recharge, um, make sure you uh, you know are, are around um, supportive people and positive people. You take the time to unplug. For me, that means do not watch the news. Mm. <laughs> watch <them. laughs> yeah. Great advice. I watch stuff that is completely mindless. I'm really into the real housewives. <laughs> just because it's mindless um, <laughs> and then also invest in you know cultivating that sense of gratitude so i think that's first and foremost like take care of yourself um so that you can you know um you know continue to to be the best version of yourself mm -hmm. now in this really interesting sort of um cultural moment as you described it i would add an additional layer on to that mm -hmm. i think we are as a country, more willing to be open and honest about what type of community we want to be. Mm -hmm. And I see people leaning into um, conversations that perhaps would have been avoided, especially in the workplace before. And mm -hmm. 
wanting to bridge across differences through dialogue and with the goal of see simply seeking to understand someone else's life experience. And mm. that could be bridging across political differences, um, uh, race, um, gender, all sorts of things. So I would say we can all play a part now by um, spending just a little bit of time to get to know our colleagues, to talk about um, how we experience things based, you know, on from our own perspective and our own lens, simply to have more awareness and appreciation of the multitude of experiences out there. I think it would go a long way to heal us um, yeah. and to bridge differences and you can only do it through dialogue. So I, I would say if you're genuinely curious and compassionate about your, your coworkers, um, that would be also a great way to start because I think we need to all be part of this um, cultural movement. We can all shape it for the better. Yeah, yeah no, you, what you just said there, this dialogue, the differences, it's an invitation. It's giving ourselves permission. It's giving others, others permission. That's a powerful phrase, dialogue, the differences. Yeah, it is. I'm thinking uh, about some painful memories here, Beth, as you've described this, where I would engage in dialogue or at least the facade of dialogue, particularly in my turn one years, uh, where I actually had something I wanted to say as opposed to wanting to understand. So the questions were a vehicle to look like I was interested mm but all to set it up so that I could say what I wanted to say or to test an idea. And that didn't mean I was selfish or mean-spirited or whatever else, but it also meant I wasn't as genuinely curious yeah. as I was pretending to be. And it was a very subconscious thing. But as time has gone on, that prayer of St. Francis about seeking not so much to be understood as to understand uh, applies to what I think you're describing. Yeah, so thank and you I like how you phrase that facade of dialogue. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's what it was. And I admit it now. I think, especially yeah. in the business setting, we're all conditioned to, as soon as I open my mouth, it is to win the argument or to win people over. And I think, you know, we're talking mm -hmm. all about like fail forward and having a growth mindset and learning from mistakes and learning by doing. Like you said, Mark, this willingness to, um, to engage in dialogue, to understand, not mm. to agree or to win the argument is all part of that process. And think of how much wisdom we overlook or or miss because we either don't hear what someone's saying or we dismiss what someone's saying uh, because, you know, we're just trying to get our point across. Um, yeah, yeah. Beth, we're so grateful you joined us for this conversation. And as we uh, and any of these uh, conversations, we really like to get a little bit more personal and ask these turning point questions. They're a little bit lighter and and uh, fun to talk about and helps us get to know our guests a little bit more. So I'm ready. Are you ready for them. <laughs> okay, here we go. So if you were to have pursued any other vocation than business and corporate life, Oh, what easy peasy. Talk show host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a consistent answer oh, it, from like, It's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I'll give you my reason. I'd love to hear why other people say, I am Please. so curious about other people. I'm, I think other people are far more interesting than me. I could sit and talk about other people's life journeys and life experiences forever. So for mm -hmm. me, I'm just so curious. I love talking and hearing about other people. 
Yeah. Well, we haven't had anybody say, I want to be a sanitation well, worker or uh-huh. I want to be a baker or I want to open a restaurant. It's all been, hey, I want to be a journalist, a cartoonist, a talk show host, uh, host Good Morning oh, America. That meeting. Kind of yeah. Well, and you know, I think what's kind of cool about this too is um, we're, we're, we're having conversations with a lot of people, such as yourself, which we really consider you in that third turn. You're in a space of your, your giving back, but it's almost like you want to hear, you're very, you're teachable and you're learning, but you're also want to hear and you know that people want to be heard and people want to tell their story. And so providing a platform where people articulate their story and it gives hope to others because of the lessons and it's just, it's powerful. So very amiable. (laughs) I get to ask you more of a, I don't know, serious question. I mean, it, it, you know, it's okay. So the question is this, what is a valuable leadership lesson you wish that you would have learned sooner? Yeah. So for me, it's more of a quote that I think, um, reflects the lesson. And someone told me this early in my um, journey as an entrepreneur, because I met this person who's a more seasoned entrepreneur, and I was feeling really down. He was like, oh, how are things going? I'm like, eh, not so good. And he goes, you know what, Beth? Well, today is the worst you'll ever be. I was like, because eh? every day you get better. You learn from what you've done the day before. So if you can live with yourself today, just know that today is the worst you'll ever be. And as soon as he said that, it just, everything just clicked. Like my entire mindset just clicked because Hmm. yes, life is a journey. And I think we all want to be absolutely perfect and be our best every day, but we are growing and developing and always getting better, which is far more of a, a, a positive spin to put on when things aren't going, you know, as well or as you had, had hoped, mm-hmm. you know, it's part of the learning process and you're always getting better. So I actually wish that he, you know, someone had shared that quote with me, you know, early, early <laughs> in my career, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think it would have changed my whole mindset, you know, and, and it helped to me to be more resilient rather mm-hmm. than in my own way. Like I said, I have these perfectionist tendencies. I I can be very hard on myself, you know, sort of unnecessarily. So. Oh, I want to interject really fast. I really believe Beth. we've never met in person, but you're a person of excellence. And so a person of excellence, there is a certain way that you do things. And I think that shines through in your website, on your conversation, how you present yourself. And so, yes, you have some, we all have the, you know, the perfectionist side, but you are a person of excellence. Oh, that's so another question then, Beth, what is a current book you're reading and why? All right. So this is going to be kind of a weird answer. And I was, I was thinking about this. I was like, shoot, I should go find myself like a, like a really hardcore. Yeah. I'm going to be yes. honest. The book I'm reading now, it's called If I Had Your Face. And it's a novel mm. about um, uh, young professional women living in South Korea and sort of this pressure to, um, you know, be beautiful and everything that they do to sort of support that and 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 everything like that. Why am I reading it? Um, I 
I miss being able to travel. I, I haven't traveled internationally in, in quite a while and traveling not even nationally now because of COVID. So it sort of ha- is helping me to transport to appreciate another culture that I've never experienced. I've never been to South Korea. I have a friend who moved there recently and she absolutely loves it. So I was just kind of curious to sort of, you know, um, appreciate the culture from that particular lens. And, you know, sometimes I need to get out of the business professional mode a little bit um, just to, you know, feed another part of myself. Um, Again, I'm just a really curious person. And I think sometimes um, just making sure that I stay well-rounded and I don't dive in in terms of the content I consume too much in any one direction. So it's it's a total just exercising a different part of my brain with that book. That's really good. That's really good. Well, we our time has flown. And Beth, on behalf of Mark and myself, we want to say thank you so much for being our guest here on the Third Term Podcast. Again, to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Third Term Podcast as we discuss the brimful life with Beth Ridley. If you, we encourage you to check out her website. It is the brimful life. Com. You will see all kinds of videos. You'll see her different opportunities where she's spoken and she's shared about the brimful life and you can get gain her resources there as well. Again, I'm Jeanette Robert of Marketplace Chaplains with Mark L. Vincent, the facilitator for Maestro Level Leaders. If you would like to be considered for a Maestro Level Leader cohort, you can learn more at maestroleveleaders.com. Mark would enjoy pursuing your interests alongside you. We also love to hear your ideas for other Maestro Level Leaders you'd like us to interview, you can share your ideas at thirdturnpodcast.com. So long for now. Uh, Remember, we're doing this and having this conversation for our grandchildren's grandchildren.